Come on, church, let's give him the best praise right now. Right now's the moment. Father God, you reign above it all. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, for all you've done. Today is about you, King Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat on all of our campuses this morning? So good to see you. What season are we in, church? We got winter this week. It was like 31 degrees. It's going to be 81 this week. Pollen three or four times. I hope you covered your plants. I want to welcome everybody to church today. Hey, Anderson Campus, if you don't mind, would you help me welcome all 14 campuses and folks leaning in online? We are here together live. Welcome to church. Um, I want to do a couple of things before we get into the Word. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles, you can. You can open them up uh, in the app. We've got it all preloaded there. We're going to be in the, uh, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, if you want to turn there. But while you're getting ready for that, I want to take a moment and do some just housekeeping stuff. Is that okay with everybody? Number one, if you are in middle school or high school, I know we just sat down, middle school or high school or every single campus at the early service at New Spring Church. Can you pop up on your feet real quick? Come on, up in the balcony down here. Yeah, middle school, high school, stay standing, stay standing. Middle school and high school. Some of these high schoolers had prom last night. They made it to early service this morning. All right, stay standing. I, I wanna look all of you guys and gals in the eyes and tell you your church loves you. Your church is for you. This church has always been about the next generation. I, I put over a decade of my personal time into this generation and I want you to know we will always be committed to this generation. We will not take our eyes off of Jesus Christ in your life. And listen, I want you to know that one of the ways we prioritize you is every single year we try to do something special. And we weren't gonna let the cancel culture of COVID get us two years in a row. So that's why we took matters into our own hands and we have got scheduled this summer, the weekend. All right, and we're pumped up about it, the weekend. We want you to know it's gonna be, I, I, I'm putting my reputation on the line, all right? And this church's reputation on the line. It will be the most excellent thing you do this summer. Promise you. It will be so excellent. You're gonna love it. We've already got campuses that are hitting waiting lists for signups. So mom and dad, I'm just waving a hand on this middle of April day that you're gonna wanna be involved, student, you're gonna wanna be involved in the weekend come the midsummer end of July time, don't get left out because we're hitting the waiting list, all right? So I wanna make sure you take advantage because you're the ones that are here to make sure you get signed up today. I want you to know your friends' lives are gonna change at the weekend. Your school's gonna change at the weekend. Your community's gonna change at the weekend. We're taking it very seriously. That's why we gave it a little bit of space right here this morning. So one more time for the weekend and for the next generation. We love you guys. Y'all can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, just while I'm up here and I'm talking about this, we've already raised over $200,000 for the weekend in partnership. So well done church. Thank you for sponsoring and partnering with us there. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a huge thing. Second thing, can you pivot with me? Say pivot. The month of May, one of the priorities in the month of May at New Spring Church is we are starting a series next week. We're beginning to focus on marriage on Sunday mornings in the month of May, okay? One of the things that I know all of you know is over the last 14 months, you got to see way more of your spouse than maybe you planned on, right? Am I right? And uh, I mean, I mean, I remember, I remember a year ago this time going, man, this has been great. Everything's kind of slowing down, spending a lot more time at home, lots more time at home. My wife 
was ready for me to leave and get out of the house more, go to work more, go do some things more, lots of time. And pastorally, we have seen the impact of that. And so I want you to know we're taking that very seriously and we want to partner with you in the month of May to strengthen your marriage, to strengthen the marriages of your friends and coworkers. And I just wanna put on the radar next weekend is a huge and special weekend because we're gonna have a friend with us who, listen, this man blew his marriage up and it was good as dead. And God got involved and his church family got involved and he's gonna be here next Sunday and gonna share with you, if you have felt like your marriage or you know someone that's not here today who feels like they're just holding on for dear life, you need to make sure you go out of your way to invite them, not just next week, but for the entire month of May where you, we're doing a series called Tested Love. Because I know all of you know this. No one loves a test, but we all love tested things. And your marriage, when you do it God's way, was meant to pass the test. That starts next weekend. If you're excited about marriage in May, say amen. Amen? All right. That's all I got up front, except, oh yeah, by the way, May 2nd next weekend, masks are optional. Just putting that out there, putting it out there. All right. You have time to get your vaccines and we'll have spaces on campuses if you need to wear a mask, but we'll move into a mask optional reality next weekend. If you're watching online, you didn't get to hear the announcement, so now you heard the announcement. All right, if you've got your Bible, I want you to open them up uh, to the book of Timothy and uh, we're gonna jump in. I've got a chair up here, which is not usually my style because I like to preach and walk around, but y'all, I am suffering from D-O-B. How many of you know about D-O-B? I'm suffering from date of birth. I pulled a muscle in the gym two weeks ago. It got involved in my sciatic nerve and praise God for physical therapists at New Spring Church, my good friend Jason Embler and Embler Physical Therapy. He has me standing upright this morning. So I've got this burning sensation down my leg. So if you wanna pray for me, I'd appreciate that. That's why I'm sitting today, okay? All right, well, uh, here's the deal. I'm gonna pray, we're gonna jump in. Father God, bless your word today. Bless every one of our hearts as we receive your word today. And God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in and through it all, just like we sang. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Context, Paul is writing this letter to a young minister in the city of Ephesus. That's where Timothy's a pastor. And so we're at New Spring Church today. Well, envision 2,000 years ago, New Spring Church, Ephesus. And Paul writes to this people and he says these words to Timothy. He says, Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, Dogecoin, the stock market, or your 403B. Oh, it just said certain uncertainty of riches. You can fill in the blank for you. But instead, set your hopes on God, amen? who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, listen, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul writes to Timothy 2,000 years ago, in the context and reality of saints, believers. And just like us today, we've got to recognize that there is a resurrection life that Jesus Christ has purchased for us at the cross that is meant to activate 
a, a thing inside of us now, not just one day when we step into eternity. This entire series has been about this truth. Jesus did not merely die on the cross to forgive you and I of sins that we might go to heaven one day. He, of course, did that. But he has promises on offer for every one of us that are available today, not just one day. And too many people, in my observation, and I'm sure yours, they leave promises that God has on offer on the table and the enemy is still in the business of stealing, killing, and destroying. And I am fearful that there are plenty of people that are Christians. They're gonna, they're gonna spend eternity with the Lord, but they're gonna have so much of their life on earth robbed because they did not catch this beautiful and rich promise that Paul's writing to Timothy about. That's why I'm going to speak about this with passion this morning, if that's okay with everybody. Paul said, Timothy, you gotta talk about this. Timothy, had to share this with the Ephesian church and it's why we today have to talk about this as well because it will rob you and I of an abundant life, a resurrection life, a true life is what Paul calls it. And so that's what this series has been about. Week one, Clayton King talked about you and I were intended to follow the Lord in the mundane and we would see the miraculous that if you are bored with your life, you did not get there following Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Finn Sheridan, in his first Sunday on a Sunday platform, knocked it out of the park, amen? Talking about freedom. and talked about that God doesn't wanna just save you from hell, he wants, to, he wants to get some hellacious addictions and attitudes and mindsets out of your life now. And it was a phenomenal week, you gotta go watch it. And so what my mandate here today is, is I am here to talk to you and I about our stuff about the things that are in our life that we have been given the chance to steward. And I want you to know it's a big deal. So big a deal, in fact, if you actually broke down the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every six verses in the gospels is about this subject matter, one out of six. When Jesus showed up talking about the kingdom of God, there was something about talking about stuff that revealed the heart of humanity so that we might see if we are doing good or we need to make some course corrections when it came to helping partner with God to bring the kingdom of God. And our stuff reveals that. Now, this is no surprise if you're a parent in the room. Parents, wave at me. Parents on every campus, wave at me. Hey, hey, uh, I'm a parent, right? And sometimes I'm just like, Lord, how in the world did you let me and my wife get to be parents? It's just like crazy, uh, but you've trusted us with little souls. And we've got a, a little boy right now at my house. He'll be two, June 5th, and he is wide open, but one of his favorite words has hit his lips, and he says it all the time. You ready for it? Mine. Parents, y'all know this one? Mine. I mean, it's every single day. And mom and dad, you know this. One of the primary things that you have to teach your kids at a young age is the, the understanding of what's actually theirs and what's actually yours that they're managing or stewarding or got on, on, on the borrowing. And so one of the things we say at our house all the time is we're trying to help our children understand that the Cooper family, we're sharers. 
And so anytime we hit this moment, and it's multiple times a day, it's not like once a month, it's multiple times a day where we're saying things like, hey, nope, that's not yours, that's ours, and we are Coopers, and Coopers share. Gaines, Gaines Cooper, what's your name? Gaines, Gaines, what's your last name? Oh, Gaines, it's Cooper. Oh, that means you're a sharer. So you don't do mine, we do ours. See how that works? So the other day, I, I'm, um, you know, it's warming up. I'm trying to, y'all, I'm horrible at golf, but I'm trying to, to play more golf, okay? I'm trying. Somebody, somebody's liking that. I'm trying, I'm trying. I hit the ball real hard. I don't get cheated off the tee box, but I'm not any good. So I'm, I, but, but I'm, my son and I, I got him one of these little mini clubs the other day. All right, I don't know if you've seen these. So I come home with some wiffle balls and we're out in the backyard and we're, we're swinging at this and it's, it's cool, it's awesome, except... My son's left-handed and I didn't, I didn't buy him a left-handed club. So he's trying to hit it with the back of the club. He's swinging backwards on this. So anyway, we're in the backyard and Corey comes home with the girls and they've come in from dance. And so they jump in the backyard with us. It's beautiful weather. It was before it turned 32 degrees earlier this week. And my son, his sister asked him, can she take a turn? And he, no, mine. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And so I sit down, I'm like, son, I just gave you this club like 35 minutes ago. It's not yours. This is ours. Coopers are sharers. Would you please share with your sister? Mine! And he's clinching it with his whole, all of his might, y'all. And he will not do it. So lovingly, I have to pry it from his hands and he throws a tantrum. I have to sit him down and lovingly discipline him. And he gets to watch his sister hit little wiffle balls all in the yard until he learns the lesson. He goes back out, he gets it again. He starts to hit again and the other sister wants to turn. It's okay, I go, hey Gaines, it's, it's your other sister's turn. No, mine. He learned nothing. He's not learning. He's not learning fast enough. So pray for him. It's funny and cute when he's 22 months old. It's not funny and cute when we're 40, but it's in all of us. And so one of the reasons that we've got to talk about this is we all have, you and I both, listen, doesn't matter if you're a minister or no matter, every one of us has this, this closed-handed posture when it comes to stuff. And so what I want to do today is teach you what I believe is a principle that, I, listen, I was taught by my mom and dad. They're actually here at the 915 service. They taught me this. It was reinforced as I got older in church. And, and this is what I'm trying to impart to my kids, okay? It's a perspective. It's a I believe biblically a true life perspective when it comes to our stuff. Are you ready for it? Three things that I want you to catch, three things. Number one, when it comes to a resurrection life stewardship perspective that we have to shift unless we're gonna have this mind mentality. Number one, we've gotta understand that God owns it all. Hey, can you say that out loud? God owns it all. Let's say it with a little more volume in our voice. I wanna hear you down there in Charleston. You ready? One, two, three. God owns it all. We just sang it. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Where do we get that idea? Psalm 24.1. Let's read it together. Psalm 24.1 just simply states this. All right, read Psalm 24.1. It says, hey, the Lord, the earth and everything in it, the world and all of its inhabitants belong to the Lord. It's all his. We, like my little son, were born into this reality. There were already some givens we were born into. Now our flesh will tell us, no, that's not true. This is mine. This is mine. But what I want you to know is when you walk in the kingdom and you understand the scriptures, you're gonna see this theme all over from Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end. God owns it all. It's all his. Point number two in this mindset, this one's good. You ready? I own nothing. I own nothing. Can you say that one out loud with me too? I own nothing. 
I don't own anything. Hey, how many of you guys, uh, you're homeowners right here. That was a trick question. <laughs> don't make me call Bank of America. <laughs> TD Bank, Wells Fargo, right? But you see how easily that works, right? Oh, I don't know. Stop making your payment and see if you own that house, right? But we don't own a thing. And a matter of fact, the Bible says when it comes to our time, we don't own time. We're not even promised tomorrow that everything we get is a gift given from God because what was point number one? God owns what? It all. And I own nothing. And this is crazy. It's actually one of the most stressless, freeing ideas and concepts you will ever, ever catch is to understand you don't own a thing. You don't have to overlook and intend to all of the ins and outs. You get to go to bed and sleep at night because you have a good father in heaven who owns it all and who ain't gonna sleep. That's true. And so every single night we go to sleep trusting that he's gonna keep the planets in orbit. He's gonna keep the sun going around the earth and we don't own a thing. But point number three, catch this. We have been given the great blessing of stewardship. Have you thought about this? God trusts you and me to steward everything in our lives, to steward it. He trusts you so much, you can actually give your life to his enemy. You can give your stuff and and align it with his enemy. He trusts you so much, he's given you the dignity of decision. He did not create robots. That would not be love. He created willful Men and women created in his image with a will that you and I might decide what we're gonna do with the stewardship responsibilities that we have when it comes to the minutes he gives us, when it comes to the careers, with the majors, when it comes to the increase in our bank accounts, the direct deposits you receive, the babysitting money, the grass mowing money, whatever bonus you receive, when it comes to the stimulus check that comes your way and mine, when it comes to the, the, the tax return, when it comes to everything, you and I are given stewardship over it all. Now that stewardship word, it's a word that you saw a ton back in the days of royalty. When you had a king, They would give their authority to a steward. And listen, check this out. The steward's responsibility was to bring the wishes and directions of the king to pass in their world. I love to say it like this. God, the king, well, he rules and directs. Man, the steward, our job is to steward and cultivate. Catch this. King, Yahweh, Our King Jesus, he's he's ruling and he's directing and he wants men and women to represent him. Saints, those that have been born again to represent him in the earth and to bring his heart. That's why we pray, God, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's a stewardship prayer. This is all over the scriptures. That's why it's such a massive deal. That's why one in six verses in the Bible talked about it. And so what I want you to do is see this from the very beginning in Genesis chapter one and verse 28, right in the first chapter of the Bible, the Bible records this. It says that God blessed them. All right, catch that. He blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Leave that scripture up there for just a moment. I want you to catch that underlined word. Before you and I are called to multiply, before we're called to be fruitful, before we're called to expand God's heart in the earth and do his wishes in the earth, we need to catch that he's the one that's blessing us. If you don't understand this, then you will think 
You will misinterpret that and you will, you will do anything you do out of coercion or fear or duty instead of out of understanding the heart of God. God's heart is a heart that blesses his creation, you and I. And when we've been recreated in Christ, the same is true. And that verse has more to do than just make sure that you have kids. Right, be fruitful and multiply. Some of y'all love that, right? Be fruitful and multiply. I love practicing that, right? Come on, husband and wife. No, that's the marriage series. Next month, okay. But it's way more than just procreation. It has to do with us bring. So listen, I want you to catch this. God has a cultural mandate. He has a creation mandate. That's what the theologians call this. For wherever a Christian is, we are called to protect, to expand, and bring to flourishment What's in our stewardship? One more time. You and I, men and women, are called followers of Jesus to protect, to grow and expand and bring to flourishment what's in your stewardship. Yes, that's your children. That's also your small business. That's also your grades. That's also your sports team. So I want you to catch this. If there's anything in a, this is gonna, this is gonna blow some of our minds. If there's anything in our life that is not brought to flourishment or excellence, by biblical definition, we are sinning. We are not called as Christ followers to represent God in a non-excellent manner. We care about all of it because we're called to represent him, not just in our spiritual gathering on a Sunday, in the way we do business on Thursday, in the way we do momming and dadding, in the way we, listen, Christians, you should win every suicide as a, as a member of your sports team. You should give it all. That is the life of a believer that understands we're called to cultivate and bring to flourishment. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean that there's a process where you're constantly trying to expand and protect and people, people look at you and go, what in the world are you doing? And you're saying, man, I am trying to represent, to represent the good God of the universe whose image I carry and I am doing it everywhere. I don't compartmentalize my life and give him an hour on Sunday and the rest of the week is mine. That's not the Christian life. We're called to steward. If this is helping anybody, say it's helping, helping. So here's the deal. When it comes to our stuff, one of the things we've got to break is this mentality that God is after our stuff. No, no, no. Listen, write this down. God doesn't need our stuff, but he will demand our heart. Our stuff is like an x-ray machine and how we handle our stuff is like an x-ray machine and it exposes our heart. This theme goes throughout the entire scripture, y'all. It's everywhere in the scripture. Again and again and again, you'll see it. Probably one of the best examples is in Genesis chapter 22, right at the very beginning. God told Abram, Abraham and his wife Sarah that he was, gonna, he was gonna bring an incredible family from them. And they laughed because they didn't have any kids. And God said, no, trust me. So they start trusting him. They get pregnant with a son. What was Abraham's son? Isaac, okay. And Isaac, their only son, their firstborn son, be fruitful and multiply. So they go through the process of being fruitful and multiplying. And in the midst of that, God says to Abram, hey, Abram, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice your son. What, God? Did I hear you right? Trust me. Trust me, Abraham. So off he goes. He gets his son, Isaac. They load up Isaac with sticks. 
to, to, to create an altar. Abraham has the torch. They march for three days. They climb Mount Moriah. Abraham uh, is talking to his son Isaac. His son looks at dad and says, dad, I see the wood for the fire. I see you've got the torch, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says these words, God will provide. That's where the name Jehovah Jireh comes from. God will see to it. God will make provision. Let's trust him. They get up on top of the mountain, they build the altar. Abraham binds his firstborn son and places him on the altar. And he goes, Lord, I don't have any idea how you're gonna bring kids out of my son if I sacrifice them, but I trust you, God, I trust you. And so he raises the knife to sacrifice his son and God booms from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham says, yes, Lord. Don't sacrifice your son. I wanted to see your heart. I wanted you to know your heart. Look, I've provided a ram in the thicket. Goes and gets the ram, sacrifices the ram, marches back down the mountain with his son. Do you think that God was after Isaac, his son? Nope. He was after the heart of Abraham. Again and again and again, you'll see this theme. Our stewardship and our stuff, when God tests us with it, it's not because he wants it. He wants us to know the condition of our heart. That is such an important part of following Jesus is to understand how your heart really stands. And listen, how we handle the very first fruits that God gives us is the quick and easy way to know if God has our heart. This wasn't just in the Old Testament. When Jesus showed up again, one in six church, one in six verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was about stewardship. One of the shortest parables, which is the story that Jesus would tell to help people understand what he was trying to teach, one of the shortest parables in Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And it says this, Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, treasure that was hidden in a field, which a man found, and so he covers the treasure back up. Then, look at this, in his joy, that man goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. What is Jesus trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us that when you are a part of the kingdom of God, you're gonna act different than everybody else in the world and you're gonna do it from a place of joy. Can we put that scripture back up again one more time, Matthew 13, 44? It says that, look, we've underlined it. In his joy, in her joy, not in their duty, not in their begrudging submission. Look, connect this. When they found the treasure, they realized the value of what they had and so in order to take hold of that treasure, they start to leverage everything in their life that they have stewardship over in order to commandeer the treasure. That is the way of the follower of Jesus. That's the way of the kingdom of heaven. Think about if you knew this man that found this treasure or you knew this lady that found this treasure and you were just observing their life and you started seeing them leveraging their job, leveraging their free time, leveraging their, their income, leveraging everything they had. And you're like, what are you doing? Brother, don't you know, what are you doing? They would look so different and weird and countercultural in the world they're in. And that's the point. Christ follower, your call is to be different and weird and countercultural and to leverage everything that you've got stewardship and influence over joyfully because you understand that your good father, Abba, owns it all. And it's all gonna be yours for all eternity. That is the truth of the gospels. And you and I have to reckon with the way we manage our stuff 
it tells us if we really believe that to be true or not. The way we handle our first fruits in every aspect shows us if we truly believe this or not. Now, I wanna use an illustration that's gonna be super simple, okay? But it's massive and I think it'll be helpful. This is a bowl of uh, fruit, all right? This one over here, this beautiful green one, it's the first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. One, two, three, first fruit. Now, the principle of first fruits is seen all in the scriptures. So God has told his people to be fruitful and to multiply, to, to take dominion and manage the earth with his heart. But one of the ways that we can know if God has our heart at any given time is through the principle of first fruit. So I've got 10 apples up here. The, 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 the principle is seen, and this is, maybe you didn't know this, but this is why people tithe. They tithe because one out of 10 is what that is. It's the first fruits. Now, it's, this is not just about, listen to me, this is not just about actual dollars and cents. This is about your time and about your actual talents, the gifts that God's given you, the abilities you have, the kind of bent and shape that God's made you to be, and it's about your treasure. So this ap application works everywhere, but functionally, this is why people tithe. And so one of the ways that we can see if God has our heart and one of the ways that God's given us to protect our heart in a world full of stuff is that we would take seriously our first fruits. Now remember, God is not after our stuff. He wants us to give him our heart. But this, the slide of every one of us is just like my son Gaines. We're all young, many of us in our faith, and we think that the things that have come our way especially as Americans, well, those are mine. So functionally, here's what we do. God gives us our, God owns it all. I own nothing. I'm a steward of some, but inevitably when, when that stimulus check hit my bank account, that's mine. That's mine, right? Or inevitably, I get to the weekend, that's mine. I love my weekends. Anybody love the weekends? Like, honest, this is not a trick question. Anybody love the weekend? I love my weekend. I love it. My college years. These are my college years. I know, I know, I know. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. One day when I'm older and it matters, that's what I'll care about and be concerned. But these are my four years, maybe five if I have a lot of fun. College years. I only get to do college once. These are mine. Mm, 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 mm. My athletic team, it's mine. It's mine. Mm, that bonus, that promotion, it's mine. This is mine. Don't tell, preacher, don't you dare tell me. No, 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 that's mine. It's hard to preach with a mouthful of apple. <laughs> it's making the point, though. And this is the way many of us operate. We come to church, and if there's anything left over, oh, there here you go, Lord. Oh, yeah, that's right, the weekend. I love the next generation, praise God. And we give him our leftovers. And listen, I, I just want you to know, don't, don't, don't miss this. This is testing your heart. But God is looking for men and women, and this is a theme all over the Bible, that he can trust. Who say, God, I'm gonna give you my first. 
I'm gonna give you the first minutes of my day. I'm gonna give you the first day of the week. Oh yeah, that's Sunday. You're doing that by the way, well done. I'm gonna give you the first part of my income and my increase. Now I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go get the new boat and get the new car and then give you the leftovers. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the first. Listen, God has all the resources in the world, all the resources in heaven, they're his. But he's looking for who can he direct his resources to that are gonna get the heart of God, the steward of the king, his stuff done in the earth. That's why I can tell you, he's looking for men and women that he can trust. And the man and woman he can trust is the man and woman says, God, you get my first fruits. And I'm telling you, when you allow God to bless 90% of your reality, it's better than 100% of you doing it in your own strength. That's just true, that's true. And it reveals your heart. I told you at the beginning of this message about the heart of my son Gaines. We're working on him, okay, keep praying. But now I wanna tell you about the heart of my baby girl, Mary Bradford. Incredible. She's five. She's had a couple more years of learning that Cooper share, understanding generosity. We're having spring break the other day. And um, we, we took some time off and, you know, things are still closed. So we're trying to figure out what are the things we can do and how, how much fun can we have? So we're going to the, the zoo and we're, we're doing fun dates and going out and having a blast. It was a lot, of t- a lot of fun, but something happened early in the week as we were getting prepared. I was still doing something uh, at the office and so Corey had all three kids, they're out of school and they and go to the grocery store, which God bless you mamas that go to the grocery store with all your kids, okay? Mama's got all three of them at the grocery store. She's dominating life, she's incredible. Gets in the car, Aldi, where you, know, where, where you can get everything for much cheaper than everywhere else. So she goes to Aldi and my wife will drive across town to go to Aldi so that she can buy bottles of water for 37 cents cheaper than they can at Publix just because that's the kind of person she is. She takes stewardship very seriously. Okay, she understands. She gets in the car, she's leaving, she goes on about her day and she realizes as she gets to her next stop where she has to pay, oh my Lord, I, have, I don't have my wallet, where's my wallet? Realizes she had left it at Aldi. Goes back to Aldi to see if anybody's turned it in. Nobody's turned it in. Oh no. So she calls me and says, babe, I, 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 I've got to cancel all your credit cards. You know, I've got to go to the DMV, get a new license. All those things, you know, you've been here, you felt this. So that we're dealing with that earlier in the week and it's just like, oh my goodness, one of those things. So now, watch this, we're together and we just have my wallet. And so I'm like, you know, hey, I need to pay for this. Okay, here you go, here you go, here you go. So we're driving around. We go to Pelican's Snow Cone Place. Anybody love Pelican's? I love Pelican's. There's one in Clemson, there's one in Anderson. I think Columbia's got one. And, and we're trying to find them a treat. So we go to Pelican's and I give my wallet to my wife and I'm like over here wrangling the kids by the picnic tables trying to keep them out of the traffic. Don't go play in the road. Don't go play in the road. Let's play. We get our Pelican's, we eat. It was awesome. We jump back in the car. We're going across town. Um, we're running some errands, get to the next stop and I go for my wallet to pay and I go, oh babe, I need my wallet. And she goes, I gave it to you. No, babe, you didn't. Oh my gosh, it's at Pelicans. We lost both of our wallets in the same week, y'all. And by we, I mean we, cause two did become one, we. We lost them. We get back to Pelicans. Somebody had turned my wallet in, praise God. But some of the cash was gone. Not a big deal. I'm just glad I don't have to go stand in line at the DMV. Love the DMV. Love them. We've got a great one here in Anderson. Okay. Here, but here's the deal. I get home and my baby girl, Mary Bradford, goes up to a room. We don't even know what she's doing. We had had Easter egg hunts two weeks ago and she got some quarters in some of her Easter eggs. 
And she had heard us talking about some of the cash, and she came to me and said, Daddy, I want to give you these two quarters that I got in my Easter eggs two weeks ago. Since you had some of your money stolen, you can have mine. You know what? I didn't have to question at all whether or not her father has her heart. And it wasn't about 50 cents. That's not even coming close to, you know. But it's because the way she handles her stuff reveals her heart. The way you and I, we handle our stuff, it reveals our heart. And I want to encourage you today to lean into the Lord and make the decision if you really trust Him. If you really trust Him. If you can trust Him for your salvation, you can trust Him on this one. I'm telling you, it's a monster deal. There are people in this room that have been living for decades and they've been trusting Him and they would amen everything I'm saying. As a matter of fact, just as a show of confidence, if you believe this with your whole heart and there's somebody maybe sitting near you that's going, I don't even know, would you give them a big amen if you know that they can be trusted, they can trust the Lord here? Amen. You can trust Him. You're going to get a paycheck, direct deposit. You get to decide to trust him. He gives you another morning tomorrow morning. You get to decide with the first minutes of your day. Will you trust him? Will you give him those minutes? Don't give him your leftovers, church. Let's be people found. He's going to put his resources in our hands. We're going to be trustworthy. We're going to give you our best and our first because you're our God and we know it all belongs to you. None of it's ours, but we've been stewards, trusted to handle the king's work in the earth. Would you pray with me? While you bow your head and close your eyes, can I invite you to stand to your feet on every single campus? As you're standing, I want you to just wrestle with what's the activation that you need to take part in today? What do you need to do? Hey, maybe you're listening online and you need to make the decision, man, I'm gonna trust God being in the room next week. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna give him not just the leftovers while I'm driving to the lake or, you know, and sometimes that's what you gotta do. But no, no, I'm gonna give him the first part of my day, first part of my week. I'm gonna jump back in on the the Bible reading plan. I committed to it, Bible in a year. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna be back on it. I've I've slipped off a little bit, but tomorrow I'm jumping back on it. I'm gonna respond to that text that they send me in the morning and I'm gonna get in the word. Hey, I'm gonna start trusting him. I'm gonna start trusting him with the little income I've got. I'm going to trust him with the the thousands that he's given me to steward. I'm going to trust him. Father God, thank you so much for proving again and again and again that you are trustworthy. Thank you for showing us where our heart is today, God. Thank you for like a scalpel. As we read your word, it reads us. Thank you that you can be trusted. Lord, bless your people as we come to you and we humbly lay ourselves before you and say, Lord, help me here. Help me. I'm a single mama. Help me. Hey, I'm I'm on a fixed income. Help me. Hey, I'm a college student. Help me. We We want to put ourselves in your hands. It's in Christ's name we pray as we worship you now. Amen.